there's something about magnifying the name of the Lord, you know. Worship is not just something that we do because we want to fill time before the word comes, you know. It's not a, uh, it's not a filling, filler. Uh, we do worship very intentionally to magnify his name. Uh, there's something that happens in worship where, you know, where the focus is no longer our, our problems, our circumstances, our situations, but where the focus becomes God, right? Where he becomes the focus. And that's why we worship because sometimes when we live in this world with all the issues that we are going through, uh, you know, we get distracted. Even though we have heard the word so many times, that you are seated far above every power, every rule, every principalities. You know, we, we get distracted when circumstances come our way. Especially, you know, when we struggle through sickness or, or we struggle through anything of that sort. We, we immediately, uh, our default action is to panic. Our default action is to be anxious and to be stressful. And worship kind, kind of, you know, takes the focus away from how big the problem is and gives us a perspective in seeing how big our God is. So changing a perspective from how big your problem is to change your perspective into how big your God is. See, the truth is God is always bigger than our problems. There's no, there's no you know, it's not rocket science. God is bigger than our problems. But the thing is, whatever you are in proximity to, you'll feel that is a problem. That is, that is bigger. Meaning, if you, are, if you are closer to your problem, your problem will sound bigger. Your problem will look bigger. If you're closer to God, God will look bigger. So, whatever you are in proximity to, right, that will look bigger. That will look greater. So worship, what it does is it switches our attention from looking at our problems, looking at our circumstances, you know, looking life through the lens of suffering and shifts our perspective into seeing how great God is. That's why the psalmist says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and bless his holy name. You know, it's not like if you don't magnify his name, his name will not be magnified. You know, his name is far above all names. You know, there's... You're not doing anything to lift his name higher. You know, just because you're lifting his name higher with your words, it's not like, you know, his name is getting a little bit higher, more in the spiritual realm, two, two inches higher. You know, you're just holding on. If you don't speak, it will drop down. Nothing of that sort. But when you magnify the Lord intentionally, it changes your experience. It changes your experience of seeing how big the problem is into seeing how big God is. So you, you can be facing a Goliath that is 10, 10, oh, how, how tall was he? 10 feet, 10 feet tall. You can be facing a Goliath that is 10 feet tall, that is bigger than this roof, but still not be anxious, not be stressed out because you are conscious of the bigger God who is standing with you. You know, that, that story has really, has really surprised me because think about it. David, who is probably five feet, six feet, you know, average height is six feet. He faces a giant who is 10 feet tall. The giant is more skillful. The giant is more 
powerful, the giant is more strong, the giant has more weapons, and David is like a young boy, but because he's conscious of who God is, he's able to fight. He, he, he speaks words of boldness. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Yeah? So worship does that. And you know David. David was, he was a worshiper. Even before he became a king, he was a worshiper. So worship is not just for people who are musicians. Worship is not just for people who understand music. Or it's just soothing to my soul. Yeah, yeah, feel good. It's not that. Worship is for every child of God to magnify the name of Jesus. Amen? So it doesn't matter how, how bad you sing. Your father loves it. Your father loves that. That, that very off note. You know? So worship has to become part of our lifestyle. Because it is, it is less about the music. It is more about magnifying his name. Him becoming bigger. That's why I don't like songs which are more like, in Malayalam, you know, we have songs like Dukkha Tinde Panapatram, which means the cup of suffering. I don't like such songs because it does not really magnify God. It magnifies your problem. We worship God not to magnify a problem. We worship God to magnify God, magnify his name, how great God is. So you might be going through the most difficult time of your life, the most you know, the most surprising time of your life that you never thought you would be in. But the moment you start worshiping God, things change. Things change. Why? What happens is that you're, you're aligning your mind and your heart to the reality of heaven. That's why heaven is, the picture of heaven is worship. You see? The picture of heaven is worship, worshiping God. Right? So worship is not, it's not just one of the things, you know, it has to become our lifestyle. Because we are lifting, we are magnifying the name of Jesus in and through our experiences. Now, you know, what's, what's interesting about worship on the earth is, when, when you get to heaven, you cannot worship God through your suffering, right? Because there's no suffering. But the beauty of worshiping God on the earth is, in spite of the suffering, you can worship God. It's a privilege that you have. You won't have this privilege on, in heaven. You will not because there's no suffering. There'll, no be, there'll, there'll, there'll not be any tears and weeping or gnashing of teeth. But on the earth when there are tears and weeping and, you know, you, you're struggling through stuff. You, you feel disappointed. You face disappointments. You face betrayal. You face discouragements through all of that, when you worship God, oh man, that brings a pleasing sound. It, it, it offers like a fragrant offering to the Lord. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. No worship in heaven can match that. Can match the children of God magnifying the name of Jesus throughout, through the suffering that they are going through. Not magnifying the suffering, but magnifying God. Believing in God. Giving thanks in God. See, it's easy to be joyful when you have money in your account. It's easy to be joyful when you're young. It's easy to be joyful when you're just starting out and, you know, there's nothing to risk. But it's, 
I think it's kingdom joy when you have nothing in your account but you're still joyful. That's kingdom joy. When there's no security and still you're like, life is good. That's the joy of the Lord. Yeah? So worshipping God, worshipping God through, through whatever you're going through, man, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Try it out. It will change your perspective. It will change your mind. It will change the experience of your life. Amen? Are you blessed? Okay. Come with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Are you with me? So let's read it together. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Read it again. Okay, once more. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, this is a complex verse because it has many sub-phrases. But if I had to ask you, what is the authorization? What is the eligibility for you to access what this verse is talking about? What's the authorization? The answer is his divine power. His divine power gives you the authorization to have all things, all things that God has. Okay? So what is the authorization? His divine power. Respond to me, guys. What is the authorization? His divine power. When do we get it? When does it become accessible? When? It says his divine power has. Has is, it's already done. It's taken care of. It's not something that is going to be done. It is something that is already done. So what is the authorization? I don't hear you. What is the authorization? His divine power. When do we get it? It's already done. It's not something that you're going to get it. It's already done. Now, what do we get access to? What do we get access to? What does his divine power gives access to? All things. All things that pertains to life and godliness. The last time I checked, all means all. All does not mean half. All does not mean some. All means all. So, in other words, Peter is saying, Peter is telling the church, you have everything that God has. You already have everything that God has. You know, there's a meme that I saw on Instagram. It, it showed a person who was, who was fat and he's opening the fridge and the fridge is empty. And he's still searching for stuff inside the fridge. And the quote said, everything that you seek for is already inside of you. Everything you seek for that was a little slow. <laughs> there's, a, there's a delay of two seconds. <laughs> Everything you seek for is already inside of you. 
This verse says, you already have what God has. You have access to everything that what God has. So what do you get access to? All things that pertains to life and godliness. All things. All things. Everything that Jesus has, you have. Everything the Father has, you have. Everything that the Holy Spirit has, you have. You have all things that pertains to life and godliness. Now, how do you access this? How do you access this? It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of God. So how do you access it? Through the knowledge of God. Through the knowledge of God or through the knowledge of Jesus. So how do you access it? Through knowledge of Jesus. For what purpose? Why has he given you all things that pertains to life and godliness? What is the purpose? Who called us to his own glory and excellence. What is the purpose? God has called you. What is the calling? God has called you into his own glory and excellence. So what is the purpose? His glory and excellence. So let's revise. What is the authorization? His divine power. When did you get it? It's already done. What did you get? All things that pertains to life and godliness. How do you get it? Through the knowledge of God. What is the purpose? For what purpose? For His glory and excellence. Okay? Now, I want you to imagine for a moment. If you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. But if you can imagine keeping your eyes open, do it. Great. Works. What I want you to imagine is there is a king, a royal king, who is rich and he lives in a big palace. And in that palace, there's one huge room which is known as the treasury. And that is filled with all the treasures of the kingdom. All the treasures of the kingdom are stored in that room. And the king has given you, has given you access, has given you a card that gives you complete authorization to open that door and to take whatever you want from the treasury. Okay? So just imagine yourself. You have the access card. You go to that treasury room. The, the door, the guards who are standing outside the treasury room, they see your access card. They open the door and you can take whatever you want. Got it? Okay, now open, open your eyes. What is the authorization? for you to have this treasure that God wants to give you? What is the authorization? His divine power. His divine power is the authorization, meaning you cannot make yourself eligible for this gift. It is His divine power that has given you the authorization and that has made you eligible for this gift, to receive this gift. Now, why do you need God's divine power? Because, see, see, imagine with me, if, have you seen, have you seen how they do wiring in the house? You know, 
when they do electric wiring in the house, if the quality of the wire is poor, and if you pass high amounts of electricity through that, the wire will get burned out. Your power, your strength, will get burnt out if you start receiving what God has for you. It requires divine power to work within you to even receive what God has for you. Your power, your strength will burn out, will get burnt out. That's why the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, not by power, not by strength, not by might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. So if you want to receive something of the Lord, if you want to receive a heavenly treasure, it requires the divine power of God. It requires His ability his capacity, because it's more unlimited, it's limitless, it's unlimited, and it is of a superior power. It is of a superior quality. It truly requires His divine power. So if you try to receive what God has for you through your own strength, you will get burnt out. It requires His divine power. His divine power that is working in you. So God's divine power is working in you so that you can receive all the things that God wants to bless you with. So if you don't partner with God's power and if you try to put your own strength in it, you'll get burnt out. You know, have you seen when people are, people who don't know how to swim and when they get in the water, and if they are struggling to swim and if they're drowning, you cannot help them unless they surrender. As long as they try with their own strength, they will not just drown by themselves, they will also drown you. So you have to wait for them to get tired. Sometimes God is waiting for you to get tired of your efforts. And you are thinking, why, why are things not happening in my timeline? Because you're not tired yet. You're still trying. You're still pushing for it. It is only His divine power that can actually receive what God has for you. So it's when you surrender. When you surrender. When you stop trying. When you surrender. When you operate from the place of rest. That's when you start receiving God. You start receiving all the things that God has for you. You know, most times after we hear a sermon, we are like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? Oh, nice, nice. Oh, what should I do to get this healing? What should I do to become prosperous in life? What should I do to get delivered from this demonic oppression? The problem is maybe you're doing too much. Stop doing Surrender. Trust. Trust that His divine power can do it. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, His strength is perfected in your weakness. His strength is not perfected in your strength. His strength is perfected in your weakness. Your weakness attracts God's strength. Your strength, by the way, does not attract God's strength. So if you think you're strong in an area, you will not experience God's strength because you're too strong. You need to be weak in that area to experience God's strength because it's your weakness that attracts God's strength. That's why he says, that's why I'll go 
go on more boasting about my weaknesses so that God's strength may be perfected in my life. What are you boasting of? Are you boasting of your strength or are you boasting of your weakness? I, ha I haven't seen anybody boasting of their weakness. Oh, I'm such a pathetic singer. All for the glory of God. I'm such a pathetic singer. We want to boast of our strengths. This is my strength. But so this is so anti-intuitive. Paul says, when you boast of your weakness, that is what attracts God's strength in your life. Because you have become absolutely humble enough to receive God's power in your life. As long as you hold this cup and this cup has water, it cannot receive more water. You have to empty yourself in that sense. So ask yourself, if you're disappointed today, if you're discouraged today, is it because you've been trying enough or is it because you've truly surrendered to the power of God? That's what Jesus said, you know. Those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, come unto me, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for my yoke is light. You're carrying a heavy burden. Give to Jesus, take his yoke that is light, his divine power. Come on, let me show you one more thing. This is very interesting. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 onwards. Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Are you with me? That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. So Paul is definitely praying for power, right? But look at the purpose. Strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted, grounded in love may have strength. So He's asking for power, but why is He asking that power for? It's, that's, that power is not for healing. That power is not for prosperity. That power is not for deliverance. It says this power is so that you may have strength to comprehend. You need strength. You need the power of God to comprehend. What, what is the meaning of comprehend? The simpler word would be understand. You may have strength to understand, comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paraphrasing all of this, Paul is saying, I pray that God's power will fill you so that you will have the strength to comprehend the greatness of his love. You know, when you, when you hear messages on God's love, you know, we're, we're, we're so familiar, right? Especially Christians who are second, third generation Christians. We're so familiar of God's love, at least the idea of God's love. But Paul says, if you want to experience the next dimension of God's love, you need to be filled with His power. Without, without His power, that love will burn you out from inside. Can I say this? God's wrath. How many of you know God's wrath? God's wrath. Oh man, God's wrath. Have you heard of the term God's wrath? No? If you haven't, that means you've never been to church. So, <laughs> God's, God's wrath is God's love. 
God is not bipolar. That he is angry at some time and then, you know, he is super loving at some time. He is super loving all the time. But people who don't have the capacity to receive God's love, for them it becomes God's wrath. For people who have not surrendered to his divine power, that love comes and consumes them so much that it becomes torturing for them. So when Moses said, I want to see you, God said, ha, 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 you, you can't see me. You can't see me, Moses. Why? Because you don't have the power and the strength in you to see me. Because I'm all consuming that the moment that you see me, everything that is in you will be consumed by my love, by my goodness. You worship an all-consuming God who is full of love and goodness. And we think his love is that all that gooey love, you know. Just cuddle me, you know. Just cuddle me a bit. His love is all-consuming. It can consume every unrighteous, every ungodliness that is in you. And it is God's grace that he does not express more of his loves towards you because he realizes that you don't have so much power to, to withhold his love. It requires strength. It requires his divine strength to even understand and to, to experience the magnitude of his love. And we are, we, are, we, are, we are probably thinking, you know, oh, I don't have things, good things happening in my life because God does not love me. No, it's the opposite. You have not surrendered enough to his power so that you can experience more of his love for your life. He loves you. He loves you so much that he can consume you. He can consume you in a moment. He can consume, consume every selfishness out of you. But what if all that I have is selfishness? You see how dangerous it is there? It is. If all that you have is selfishness and if his love can consume every selfishness, you're, you're gone. Your identity is gone. That's why he, he's patient. He transforms you from within. He... He slowly, in his grace, with his patience, he takes you from glory to glory to glory. Not one glory to phew, straight promotion. That will kill you. So what is the authorization? His divine power. Do you understand why you need his divine power? Because what God has for you is greater than you can even imagine right now. Oh, man. So you need his divine power to receive what God has for you. Okay? When did you get it? It's already done. When was it already done? When was it already done? <laughs> it was already done. Yes, absolutely. You, in, in one sense, you can say it was already done before the foundations of the earth. But from, from a time and space continuum, you can say it was done the moment Jesus said it is finished. See, when Jesus said it is finished, the Greek word for it is tetlestai, which means... The business deal is done. The contract is over. Or in a legal term, it means the case is over. It's closed. It's done. It's taken care of. So whatever you're fighting for, whatever you're struggling, whatever you're hoping that God will come through, can I tell you good news? It's already done. Jesus said it's finished. You're praying for healing? It's finished. You're praying for deliverance? It's finished. You're praying for promotion? It's finished. It's taken care of. It's already done. But the verse says, his divine power has 
granted to us. The question is, do you come in that us? Do you? Who is the us? Who comes in that us? All those who believe. How do I know this? The first verse, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with us by the righteousness of God. So if you believe in Jesus, you have already received what God has for you. His divine power has granted to us. What, what do you mean? What do you understand by granted? Granted means has given you permission, has provided for you. It's not something that you earn for. It's something that you need to receive. So when was it done? It was already done. How was it done? Through the finished work of Christ. Christ has paid it all. Has paid for your debt. For your debt of sin. For your debt of sickness. For your debt of oppression. He has paid it all. It's in the past tense. You receive it. You don't earn for it. Okay, let's do the next one. What all do you have access to? All things that pertains to life and godliness. All things that pertains to life and godliness. All means all. Now just imagine with me, Amazon's CEO, his name is Jeff, Jeff Bezos, right? He is one of the richest men in the world. He's a billionaire. So imagine with me, he has mansions in every city in the world. And he has cars, and he has amazing resources, commercial places. And he tells you, Sam, I give you a MasterCard that will give you access to all of these resources. How many of you will be excited? He does not say half of my resources. You can have access to all my resources. Man, how many of you will be really excited? Like You can travel to any place using his jet. You can stay in any of his mansions, which is in any part of the world. You can drive any car just by using that one card. Can you even fathom when God says, I have given you access to all things that pertains to life and godliness? The word life over here comes from the Greek word zoe, which means the God kind of life. Does not say Jeff Bezos kind of life. God kind of life. God has given you access to all things so that you can live God kind of life. For God so loved the world that he would, you know, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is not unending life that happens after death. Everlasting life is having a life that is God kind. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, John 10, 10, but I came to give you life and life abundant. I came to give you God kind of life. So God has blessed us with all things that pertains to life, God kind of life. The next thing it says, godliness. What do you mean by godliness? What do you understand by godliness? It means God's nature. Now see, the thing is, Jeff Bezos can give you his card 
MasterCard that gives you access to all things that he has, but he can't give you his nature. So you can have his card, but not do what he does with his resources. Do you, do you know that it takes, it takes a level of skill and knowledge to, to stay being a billionaire? If that, money has, if that money was transferred to your account, you'll become a, you'll become a millionaire very soon. Because it takes skill, it takes, it takes wisdom, it takes knowledge to stay in that level. So he just did not give you his kind of life. God did not just give you his kind of life, but he also gave you his nature so that you will live his life. You will use those resources acting as if how God would have. So you have his nature as well. So for you, if for example, if you had to operate like Jeff Bezos using his resources, you have to either be born of him, you have to either be his, have his DNA, be his son or daughter, or you need to stay with him and learn from him. It's either nature or it's either nurture. So God is like, if you, the thing with God is he's given you both. You're born of God, and you can imitate God. That's why all of these things have been given access through the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God does not mean, you know, you know, technical knowledge. It means relational, intimate knowledge. So God is like, you're born of me. Now look at me, imitate me, and get my nature. You, you already have the DNA within you. But if you really want to live my life, I have given you access to all my resources, but imitate me. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitate me. He's your father, so you can imitate him. So it requires a relational knowledge. It requires a relationship to imitate him. That's why even though God has blessed us with all these things pertaining to life and godliness, unless we don't know him intimately, unless we don't know him relationally, all of those things are there, but we don't know how to withdraw it. It's like you have billion dollars in your bank account, but you don't know how to withdraw it. You're biting your nails. I have so much money, but I don't know how to withdraw it. And the sad reality of, of a Christian is, the picture that I have in my mind is, you have thousand acres of land, but you're living in one corner because you really don't know how to access it, how to possess it, how to live that kind of life. His divine power has given you the authorization. His divine power can work in you so that you can, you can get access to his life his nature, but it can only work through relational knowledge. You know, when when I got married to Betty, before I got married to Betty, I I'm more I'm more of a person who loves staying at home, and um, you know, don't like too too much interaction. It drains me off. Right, talking to people really drains me off. That's that's the kind of personality that I had. But Betty was like the opposite kind. She loves talking to people, loves spending time with people, loves, you know, food, relationships, sound, music. I'm the opposite. But six years into our marriage, 
my personality has changed. Now I am more like I I want to be with people. I want to you know hang out with people. I love music, you know, sound, all of that and Betty's personality has shifted. What happens is when you're in a relationship you rub on each other. Your personality rubs on the other person. And the thing with God is the more you stay in relationship with God, his nature, his personality rubs on you. That's that's why you start to become like him. That's that's the picture that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. He says, as we behold him. How do you behold him? You you can only behold someone in intimacy. Try try beholding someone for a long period of time. Especially a stranger. Have you tried? You you want to try? Hey stranger, can I look into your eyes? You can't. It requires it requires intimacy. It's so awkward. So, but as you behold him, as you behold him, because there's a there's a there's a sense of intimacy that you have, there's a sense of relationship that you have. That as you behold him, that as you're beholding him, you are transformed from one degree of glory into the other, because what you are seeing is what you're becoming. Do you know the more problems you see, you become pro- problematic, because what you see is what you become. The more, the more you check your bank balance again and again, the more poor you're becoming. So you need to see something that's more majestic. You need to see something that is beyond your problem. And this is the greatest privilege that we can see God for who he is. We can see the glorious, majestic God. So as you behold him, as you see the face of Jesus, you become that person that you see. So this behold is not like, oh, okay, two seconds, two seconds, one, two, okay, I'm done. It's not talking about that kind of beholding, which is, you know, which you play in a game. It's talking about beholding that you stay there. It becomes a dwelling place for you. For those who dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, what's the verse? Oh, wow. Didn't get that at all. Psalms 91. I will dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't say I will visit. It says I will dwell. I'll make His, I'll make His presence my habitation. So when you dwell seeing God, when He becomes your habitation and you're beholding God, you become like Him. You become exactly like Him. Then there's a then there's a personality change. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your bank balance is. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what your business client says because there's a personality shift. Then every problem becomes an opportunity. You're excited. You're excited for every problem. Wow! I love it. Okay, let's revise. So what is the authorization? Let me ask you again. What is the authorization? When did you get it? It's already done. What what did you get? All things that pertains to life and godliness. God kind of life, God kind of nature. How do you get it? Through relational, intimate knowledge of God. You know, the word knowledge over here comes from the same word which 
says in the Old Testament, Adam knew Eve and Eve gave birth. What kind of knowledge is that you can imagine? It was not just, let me, oh, you are five feet tall. Not that kind of knowledge. Adam knew Eve, you know. Adam knew Eve intimately, relationally. Did you get it so far? But one element is missing. The purpose. You know, all of these things that I spoke to you are like the legs of a chair. Even if one leg is missing, the chair will be unbalanced. You need all of these legs together. They need to be of equal value, equal length, able to hold equal weight. And the last leg is purpose. You have to understand why God has blessed you with all things that pertains to his life and godliness. And this is one leg, meaning this is one thing that we miss in our lives, that we understand theology, we understand being intimate with the Father, we understand his divine power to work through, so we understand surrender, but it's because of this one thing that is missing in our life that we don't get to move in the next level of glory that God has. And that is purpose. 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 His divine power has granted to us all things that pertains to life and godliness, to the knowledge of Him who called us. There's a calling upon your life. The divine power that is working in you is not just to make you the next billionaire. There's a calling upon your life. Even if, the, even, if the call, even if the calling is to become the next billionaire, that calling has a greater purpose. It's not just for the sake of having more money. Just for the sake of having more, more things, more houses, more cars. There's a divine purpose upon your life. So the moment you align yourself with that divine purpose, you'll see the provision flow. Provision follows God's vision. See, this is where I don't hear amen. Because I know this is something that will convict you. Provision follows God's vision. If you don't know God's vision for your life, you will not experience His provision. You can pray all you want. Because God will not unleash something that you are not ready for. See, God is a God of extravagance. He can... He can feed 20,000 people for five bread and two fish, but he's not a God who wastes. So even after all the people are fed, he'll still say, go collect all the things that are, all the things that are left. So they collected 12 baskets full of loaves and fish. They could have just said, yeah, throw it, right? So even though God is a God of extravagance, he's not wasteful. So if you don't know your purpose, he'll not unleash those resources for you. Because you don't know what they are for. It will just remain there stagnant. And he is not a wasteful God. This verse says, He is calling you into his own glory and excellence. Not the glory of a billionaire. Not the excellence of a billionaire. Ex have, you, have you seen these rich people? They're, they dress right. Their attitudes are right. The words that come out is like properly. You know, it's... It's excellence emanating from their entire being. 
you're not called into that. You're called into much more. His glory, His excellence. There's a calling of God upon each one of you, each child of God. There's a calling of God upon you to show His glory, to show His excellence. And today I want to give you one glimpse of that calling, what that calling looks like, to give you a perspective why you are feeling suffocated and frustrated where you are. You want to see that one glimpse? Come with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 verse 3. Is it on? Okay. John chapter 13 verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. See, this is what I taught you right now. His divine power has given you all things. So Jesus, knowing that he has been given all things. So he knows that he has all things in his hands right now. Right? And then, and that he had come from God. So he knows what he has right now. He knows where he has come from. And he also knows and was going back to God. So he also knows where he's going. So he's completely aware where he's coming from. He's completely aware that his future is secured. And he's completely is aware of what he has right now. That he's been given all things. I want you to think what that knowledge should do in your life. Jesus, knowing that he had all things, he had all things, see what that knowledge did. Rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, knowing that all things have been given to him, every power and authority in heaven and earth, he has it. Having that knowledge made him to serve his disciples. He humbled himself, took the form of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. And in, in washing these disciples' feet were people who were there to betray him were people who were there to run away the moment he was arrested. He knew all of this, but he still washed it, washed their feet. Why? Because he knew all things were given to him. You didn't get it, no? Significance in the world, how we understand significance in the world is more salary, more position, more power. That's how we see significance. Significance in the kingdom is the more you serve. If you truly understand how significant you are, you will have no problem in serving one another. You know, when God created Adam, he told them, fill the earth. I want you to fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, take dominion over all the earth. And how we understand dominion is this whole idea of colonialism, right? Like the Britishers came and occupied India and, you know, they were changing everything. That's how we think of dominion, right? It's like conquering nations and conquering land. But that's not God's idea. God's definition of dominion is so different. When Jesus was going, you know, back to the Father, he, he called his disciples and he says, I give you a great commission. Go out to the ends of the world. 
make disciples of all nations. That was dominion. God's idea of dominion is not through abuse and it's not through, it's not through using your power for your benefit. God's idea of dominion is by serving one another and loving people. That's your calling. To serve one another and to love one another. And that's why because we are stuck in the upside down kingdom, we are thinking of significance of having more title, having more position. Today you're a pastor, tomorrow you're an apostle, then you are something else, then you're a bishop. You're stuck with these titles where your significance in the kingdom is how much more you can love people. Your faith in Christ needs to be reflected in the love that you have for people. How do you know that you're growing in faith? How do you know? In your capacity to love more people. Can I say this? The more you grow in trusting Jesus, the more people will betray you. The more you'll get disappointed, the more you'll feel discouraged from people. But that is exactly where the test of your faith stands. Do you trust God in loving them, or do you trust them? We love another because we trust God that God can restore all things. That's our calling. The calling to His own glory and excellence is, yeah, you know, you can think about God's glory and God's excellence. What does it look like? It looks like probably like a sun, a star that is radiating, shining brightly, uh, like somebody who's royal, who's so glorious. Yes, all of that. But for God, the glory is when you, you put aside that glory, in a sense. You put aside your significance to move into what God's heart moves for. That, that, that is, that is excellent in the sight of Jesus. That is excellent in the sight of Jesus. His divine power has given you authorization. It is already done to give you access to all things, to his life and godliness. But you access it through knowing him. But it is incomplete without you knowing your purpose. You know, without knowing your purpose, Jeremy, wait, don't worry. Without knowing your purpose, it's like you get so self-absorbed by your own problems and you start looking for answers within. I, 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 heard, I heard this. The easiest way to get depressed is to look within. Easiest way. You know, the Great Commission is not only for pastors. It's not only for missionaries who have left homes. It's not only for so-called evangelists and full-time people who are in ministry. The Great Commission was for each one of us. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said, you're either a missionary or you're an imposter. I would like to propose that each one of you should invest your money and time in missions. Your money, your time and energy in missions. Oh man, it's so important. You know, yesterday when, when we were sitting in the house and we were praying, I was just reminded of this time when uh, when I was in fourth standard, we went to 
we went down south by by a van and there was a whole team we drove till kerala and we visited all of these places and we would sell tracks and you know just share the gospel and i remember that at that age i was preaching the gospel i was sharing the gospel to people and there was this you know there's this boldness when you talk with strangers when you're not in your own place the moment i left delhi i had the sense of boldness and i shared the gospel and there were night night meetings in villages and you know i sometimes preached a young boy i realized i used to do all of that and then i also it just came to memory yesterday that uh when when i was in 8th or 9th standard you know my dad would send his bible school students to different mission places in india where they would stay there for one or one one month or two months and they would establish a church and sometimes i would leave my home and stay with these guys i've done that lived in a village and used hand pump to to drink water and to you know use water i loved it it was a wonderful experience sell tracks from the money that you would get from selling tracks you would cook at home it was a wonderful experience i loved it i enjoyed it. i never understood the significance of it then as much as i understand now that maybe god was preparing my heart to see other people's problems more than being consumed by my own problem and what i want to propose is maybe some things you you cannot learn other than experiencing it for yourself you have to get out of your comfort zone to understand that how much god has for you and it will flow when you become a blessing for somebody else i can i can keep preaching for the next 10 years but unless you take an initiative to take a step of faith becoming a blessing for somebody else it'll just become a theology just become a concept when i'm talking about being a blessing for somebody is not just giving your 10% of your salary maybe you can begin there but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about becoming a complete drink offering like paul says i poured myself out like a drink offering in loving people and serving one another so i want to propose that you know especially for those who are working dedicate some some money for missions put some money separated out for missions and once in every year go out apply for leave go out stay in a different place and see what the missionaries are doing help them out get out of your comfort zone because that's your calling see i'm not saying everybody needs to go to villages i i believe lighthouse has been called to preach the gospel especially for urban evangelism i believe that i truly believe that but sometimes i feel unless you don't get out of your comfort zone and see what the missionaries are already doing you will not have a perspective on how you can apply what they are doing in your workplaces you've heard this message so many times but how many how many times have you actually preached the gospel to the person who's sitting beside your cabin this there's this boldness and we come to church to worship god and to speak all great things about god how many times have you actually spoken god's love to your person who is in your office who is struggling or do you also talk the same language that they talk are boss kharab hai ha ha kharab hai main batata hu aur do teen cheeze you need you need a fresh perspective 
to get out, to, to stop being consumed by your problems. Follow your calling and you will see God's provisions come through. Oh man, God's provision comes through. You know, everything this church has, this church has or this church has stood for hasn't happened because we had money. It happened because there was a vision and God's provision followed. Your dream to be fulfilled does not require money. It requires faith. It requires faith. How many of you believe God is good? Do you believe that God is good? God is extremely good? Then you owe a great deal to him to dream bigger. It's like, it's like owning a thousand acres of land and you're still living in that corner. That's, that's not how your life should end. It should end with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Fruitful life. Fruitful, meaningful life. Think bigger, guys. Think bigger. When, when, is, the, when is the time when you're going to stop really thinking about your next promotion, your next salary bump, and you're going to think about someone else's education. Isn't it crazy that all of our prayers is, you know, pray for my son, pray for this, pray for... I get it, yeah, we should pray for. But to stop being consumed by our problems. When do we say, yes, Lord, I say yes to you. He's calling us into his own glory and excellence. His calling is to love people. Say with me, love people, love people. You know, the other day, you know, someone very innocently asked me, how do you find the perfect partner? And it really got to me. And I said, are you perfect? You better not ask God for a perfect partner. What I'm trying to say is, church is such a beautiful place for you to exercise your faith. How do you exercise your faith? By loving people. By loving imperfect people. Because loving perfect people is easy. Loving perfect God is easy. You think you are lovable. Loving you is easy. Ask me. I'll tell you. <laughs> loving imperfect people is difficult. It takes the entire faith that you have in God to love one another. But that is exactly where your faith is tested. Amen? Amen? So get out of your comfort zone. Find your calling. Get more outward in reaching out to the souls, to the lost souls that are there because God's heart moves in that direction. Do you, you know God's heart? God's heart is for those who are perishing. We don't realize how blessed we are. You know, we think all of these people who have money, but they are so poor because they are lacking sleep. They don't have sleep. They don't have peace in their lives. They, don't, they have relational problems. And we think, we think we are poor. Man, you can't be poor because you have Jesus. How can you be poor? You have Jesus. That's the biggest treasure, isn't it? Or do you still need to rethink that? Can you share your treasure with somebody today? Think a little bit more. Take a step of faith. Make a decision today. Make, make a practical decision today. Out of the salary that I get, see, I, 
the reason why I talk about money is money is important for everybody because that's how we think, right? So if you don't think in terms of money, this is just going to be another sermon. You're going to forget about it until the next time I talk about missions. So make a decision today. Out of the salary that you get, just as much you take a certain percentage out for the Lord, his church, tithe, take a portion for missions today. Save it. Take a portion for missions where you, you can get out of your comfort zone and become a missionary. Even if it means just five days in a year. But I'm telling you, it will be worth it. It will change your life. It will change your life. Are you listening to me? It will change your life. Because a lot of times, you are praying for healing within your body. But that healing flows when you pray for somebody else who is sick. And you realize, oh man, he got healed. And then you look at yourself, you're healed also. Why? Because that healing is flowing. You have to become a channel of blessing for the kingdom to flow. Flow. You're feeling depressed? Find somebody who's depressed. Encourage them. You'll be encouraged yourself. You're feeling disappointed? Find somebody who's disappointed. You're feeling betrayed? Find people who are betrayed. Go to your pastors. Just kidding. <laughs> but let, let, let it flow. Whatever the Lord has blessed you. Now you might say, I don't have enough. I don't have a lot. But whatever the Lord has blessed you, whatever it is, you can be a blessing there. You can be a blessing. Nobody, nobody in this church and in any body of Christ, in any, any churches out there, nobody has the excuse saying, I don't have enough. Either you have money or you have time or you have energy or you have emotion. There is something that you can give. There's nobody who can say that I, I don't have to give. You have something or the other. It doesn't matter you're a student. doesn't matter you are a school-going kid. You will always have something to give. Amen? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? God bless you. Come on, let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you are, you are blessing us. Thank you, Lord, that we have this privilege to live God kind of life and to express your nature. That we have this privilege to partake from your nature. Your divine power has made it possible for us. And I just pray, oh Lord, each one of us will find peace with the calling that you have upon their lives. Give clarity, oh Lord. To stop being inward looking within, within their problems, within their issues of life, but to start being outward looking and see how great God is. I speak, this is the year of overflow and I pray that each one of us will overflow in their calling. Will overflow in the purposes of God. 
May you overflow. May the Spirit of God overflow within, within, in and through you. Come on, let it overflow. The kingdom of God comes in power. Let it overflow. 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 We thank you, Lord, for being so graceful to us. So gracious to us. Showering your grace and kindness towards us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.